This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and good evening. You're listening to Force of State, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Peter Frey. My producer tonight is Evie McGuire. And if that isn't a name for of a journalist, I don't know what is. Coming up, a report commissioned by Google and released by Henry Ergas, an economist and columnist at The Australian, delves into the darkening world of digital news and argues that multi-platform players like Google and Apple News are not a threat to journalism. Ergas proclaims that there is no link between the number of journalists in the media and the amount of public interest journalism. Is this really so? To a bigger and more somber picture, five staff members of the Capitol Gazette newsroom in Maryland, United States, were shot last Thursday. U.S. President Donald Trump decried the shooting, but he is the guy who calls journos enemies of the people. We also have time to talk about coverage of David Lionholm's distasteful comments about Green Senator Sarah Hansen-Young and whether the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull could do a bit more to overturn Nauru's ban on the ABC from covering the Pacific Islands Forum in September. Helping me dissect this never dull media world tonight, uh, in the studio we have Jackie Maley, senior journalist and columnist for the Sydney Morning Herald. Hello, Jackie. Hello, Pete. Hello. Uh, Stephen Hutchin, journalist and digital adventurer at the ABC. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Peter. Digital adventurer, do you like that? Um, I First time I've heard that. Right, okay. Mm. Well, it's first time for everything. Yeah. yeah. And on the line from Brisbane, Jared Owens of the Australian. G'day, Jared. How are you doing? Let's get started. Uh, we're going to start a little bit dry this week, but stay with us because A, it's good stuff, and B, we're going to loosen up a bit later. So Henry Ergas, the economist and columnist for The Australian, has just released a report on the impact of the platforms on public interest journalism. It was commissioned by Google and timed to coincide with the inquiry by competition watchdog, the ACCC, into the same subject. Now Ergas, who can be heard on a special Fourth Estate podcast edition talking about this very report, takes public interest journalism to mean journalism in which the public good far outweighs the monetary benefit to the publisher. For example, investigative journalism. He is an economist after all. But that leads Henry to conclude that there is no link between the number of journalists in the, in the news media sector and the amount of public interest journalism being made. To infer a link, he goes on to say, would be simplistic and misleading. So for years, the industry has been equating the loss of jobs with a crisis in the function of the fourth estate, and then up pops Henry Ergas and says, no, get back in your box. What do you think, Jackie? I thought this was really interesting because it actually did confront a lot of conventional wisdom that we have um, about the collapse of journalism and this, you know, the squishing of the industry and the crisis in the, in the industry. It actually was quite optimistic in part and it said mm. one of the most optimistic things was you know, we've got a lot more content out there. We've got so much more to read. Um, consumers, readers 
have, you know, such a huge breadth of choice that they didn't have before. And we can read the New York Times and we can read, you know, newspapers from Israel and Denmark and from Indonesia. You know, it's it's wonderful, basically, in terms and, of content, right? And multiple mm. recaps of Love Island. Yes. Oh, well, that's right. <laughs> Talking that's about, important. Talking about that's the important, important things in life. Yes, um, talk right. about public interest journalism. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I liked that bit of it. And well, just what did you think of his definition? Just I mean, of public interest journalism. Yeah, because it is relatively narrow. I mean, as I say, he is an economist, and it's an economist definition. But in a way, I mean, because there's a lot of you know, we've had a Senate inquiry into public interest journalism. We've got the ACCC. So the definition of what is public interest journalism suddenly becomes very important. I think. Well, I mean, I'm not an economist, but it does check out to me that the stuff that is most in the public interest, so I would say investigative journalism, um, really good political journalism, really good analysis, um, and journalism that I suppose is mostly done by sort of experienced and senior journalists, mm. um, not always, but but mostly, uh, is more expensive to produce. So yeah. um, it's going to go above and beyond um, the, the the recompense that you get for that journalism. Mm. That, that sort of checked out to me. Yeah, Stephen, what did you think of the Ergus uh, thrust in terms of that? Yeah, well, I, I listened to the podcast last night um, just to prime myself for this, but um, uh, I think uh, th- I had a couple of problems with um, not just the public interest part, but the general part that... Yes, um, many more jobs have been created, but I would argue that a lot of them are not in um, the kind of jobs that create public interest journalism. Mm. So we've had certainly uh, there are many there is as many opportunities out there, if not more, than there used to be. When <coughs> Peter, than when you and I started, um, that was four thousand years ago. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah. Yes. last century. Yeah, yeah you might say. literally, literally, literally. literally um, uh, but uh, oh, but uh, <laughs> that long ago. Um, but as I said, a lot of them are doing the kind of mm. things that I quipped about earlier: recaps of Love Island mm. and uh, mm. quick churny stuff. Not the kind of journal- journalism that takes uh, a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of usually a lot of experience to uh, create. Yeah, that's true. Just on this point, Jared, in your sense. In your sense, now you you have the benefit of joining this industry in this century, I think. If, if, correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. Uh, so, as your sense, you know, you've lived with this kind of ongoing debate that we're all ruined. You know, everything's falling, going to hell in a handbasket. And yet, along pops Henry Ogas again and says, "No, no, I've got nothing to worry about on that." There's actually quite a lot of public interest journalism going on. From where you sit, what do you think? To be honest, I wish that were the case. Um, but you know, from my vantage point, what I see is I see a lot. Um, you know, fewer staff um, across newspapers, um, across wire services in particular, if we look at the job losses at AAP recently, who are mm. really, you know, mm. the, the straight and narrow backbone of a lot of journalism that's produced in Australia, the, um, the nuts and bolts sort of stuff. Um, but really, you know, I, I see these jobs going, the staff shrinking. Um, yes, there are more jobs put on elsewhere, but really, you know, there are really fewer people producing more journalism than they used to. You know, 10 years ago, mm. you wouldn't have had journalists filing throughout the day um, for online. They would have been left to produce a, a single um, opus um, at the evening. And that's, that reality just doesn't exist anymore. And my, they were opi. And, <laughs> and, and, and you wouldn't have had these, as, as Stephen uh, reminds us, you wouldn't have all these wonderful recaps of what happened on Love Island last night. Well, exactly right. Um, you know, I mean, the, the question is how much of this journalism is actually um, 
really hitting at the heart of, of public interest. And a lot of that is, you know, a lot of that is the, the, the journal, the, the sort of um, hard-hitting investigative stuff, but a lot of it is also just the daily keeping tabs mm. on people mm. in power and mm. being a watchdog on their activity. Mm. The core activity of what journalists do. Yeah, the thing that I that did strike me about the report that he didn't mention or notice was the, the collapse of rounds journalism and that's mm. something that I've seen a lot on the, the Sydney Morning Herald is, you know, you used to have these really dedicated, you know, um, le- what do you call it, shoe leather journalists who yeah. would just work their beat. So you'd have a really good cop reporter, you know, and we still have the the bare bones, like we still have the basic, but the Herald has very, very consciously mm. pulled back from a lot of the rounds. So, you know, like religious affairs re- reporting, yep. which which Peter Frey once once hired little old Misha do back in, well, it was actually in this century. Was it in this um, century? Yeah, it was, this century. it was in this century. I want to put that on the record. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we don't, we don't we just don't cover rounds like we we used to, and I think when you don't have those those sort of little patches that you're mining, um, and you feed up really firmly on the ground on the in the grassroots there, it's harder to come up with the investigative, the big public interest stories because they start, um, you know, on, on often in the grassroots. Yeah, 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 that's true. Can we move on a little bit? Uh, still with Irigas, but another point he makes is that in this realm of digital convergence. The ABC competes with other providers of news across channels and platforms, but works against the interests of commercial media by giving away its news for free. I mean, Ergos's point, in essence, is that the ABC creates that the habit, has created the habit among news consumers of thinking that news should be free and that that works against the idea that some of us are so commercial and just like, say, the Herald or the Oz are seeking to get people to pay for it. I'm going to go back to you, Jared, on this one, and I don't really want to put Stephen too much in the hot spot, but we will get to him on this. What do you think about that argument? That the, In essence, two arguments, but the main, the main one here, I think, is that the ABC habituates free content. I think that it's not just the ABC over the years that has created the impression in people's minds that news should be free on the internet. Mm. Well, um, City Morning I, Herald did quite a lot of that. I mean, let's face it. Indeed, everyone did in the early days because the internet was sort of seen as an afterthought or or an addendum to mm. to the print edition of a newspaper. Uh, and you know, basically, I think a lot of media organisations were too slow off the mark, um, and some continue to be, uh, to to really work out that they shouldn't be giving their product away for free, or at least you know it, it, it may be ideologically desirable for everything to be free. I mean, I would love it because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm all for people getting, a, you know, re, a, a breadth of content. But you're very um, happy You're very happy behind your paywall these days, aren't you? Well, that, yeah, that, that's exactly right because we, you know, as an organisation, we've taken the decision that, um, if, you know, we need to find ways to actually fund the journalism that we mm, do. Mm. And uh, I guess and that's that's Ergus's point. Yeah, that's Ergus's point. Um, uh, Stephen, I'm not going to put you in the hot side and represent the whole of the ABC here, but what do you think of Ergus's point and the broader point at which Jared makes, and, and in effect the three of us sitting in this room, or the five of us sitting in this room, are somewhat complicit in, given that we all worked for the City Morning Herald, when we gave it away as if there was no tomorrow. Uh, well, a couple of points. One is that I think <clears throat> the ABC is doing... Um, a lot of the things um, that don't have to make a return in the way that commercial media have in terms of eyeballs, you know, can probably take a few more punts than commercial media uh, does. 
Um, so I might leave that that at that point. At that but, point? but I would mm-hmm. say, however, that um, and maybe this can I be controversial, Peter? I would um, love you to because, be because, as you know, I worked for thirty-five years at uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, and watching, and I was there in the early days of digital, <clears throat> and I have to say. Part of the problem is, uh, should we call it mainstream media's fault for not innovating fast enough, mm, to sticking mm. to, uh, you know, inverted pyramid journalism for too long and, and, and now trying to break away and create um, content, I know that's a dirty uh, word, but yes. stories yep. in a format that are more yep. hap- more readily accessed by new I think readers. I think the point you make is, is, is incredibly valid. I think we sat around moping and, and we were shell-shocked, let's face it, um, but we didn't actually grasp the technology. Would, would you agree with that, Jane? Um, yeah, I would. I would. The the sort of point about the ABC um, making getting people used to free content, and yeah, I hate the C word too, but we got to use it, right? Mm. Um, I, I just don't know what the alternative is to that. Well, we'll make them pay for it. Oh, well, I mean, uh, uh, well, when I mean, you, unless when you're the federal, the federal <laughs> executive of the Liberal Party who thinks that the ABC should be privatised, we will all pay for it one well, way or Henry, Henry does make the point further in his report and, uh, that uh, if we thought as a society or as a government that there were needed to be incentives for increasing the amount of public interest journalism in this country, that some of the money that goes to the ABC now for the creation of news should be open to bidding. Well, let's say there's $400 million go to news now, I'm guessing. Uh, and that pie should be open to all sorts of people, you know, the City Morning Herald, the Oz... Peter, PeterFray.com for bidding on the on the basis of that's public interest journalism. I mean, that's not a that's not a crazy idea, right? Mm, or do you think that's it, a crazy idea? Yeah. Well, can I just say, please do. A lot of public interest journalism is not journalism um, advertisers would like to see their ads against because it mm. it it creates a bad impression. So. Mm. It's very hard to sell that kind of content to app, and, and I know because I saw it at Fairfax. But, but would the pot of money be government money or taxpayers' money? Well, this is the money that would go to, that currently goes to the ABC. So a little, you'd hive some of it off for yeah. people to bid bid yeah. for. What do you think of that, Jared? I, so, I think there's a there's a huge risk there around conflict of interest. I mean, uh, and I, I mean, I'm open to the idea that there could be public support for journalism, but I would rather see it be done through. Uh, blanket rules like, um, you know, like a, like a tax break perhaps, or or something that is more hard and fast than the idea of bidding for contracts, because I don't think that the government should necessarily be awarding. Well, yeah. it'd be in the mechanism. Um, I, would, I would hate to see bureaucrats or um, you know so-called experts, and let alone any anyone who's any has any resemblance to a politician or a political interest, making the decisions that journalists should make. I think I agree with Jared on that. That journalists and editors should make the decisions about public interest journalism stories that they want to pursue. But the the point is still valid that the pot of money to support public interest journalism in this country could ideally, we'd all agree, surely be bigger. You're listening to The Fourth Estate, where journalists talk about journalism. Uh, my name is Peter Frey, and joining me this week is uh, Jacqueline Maley from the Sydney Morning Herald, Stephen Hutchin from the ABC, and Jared Owens from The Australian in Brisbane. Uh, my producer tonight is Evie McGuire, and if you don't like the sound of my voice, come back next week when Evie will be in the chair. Four journalists died in the latest mass shooting in Annapolis in, Annapolis in Maryland, bringing the total number of journalist fatalities this year to a staggering 
33 casualties. That These four journalists, and I'm going to name them, Gerald Fishman, Rob Hyerson, John McNamara, and Wendy Winters, and the sales assistant, Rebecca Smith, were just going about their day at the Capitol Gazette in Annapolis uh, when gunman Jared Ramos uh, entered the newsroom and started shooting. Apparently, Ramos had a deep-seated grudge against the paper. Now, look, we know the gunman had his own motivations, but to what extent... Is the President of the United States creating an unsafe atmosphere for journalists the world over? What do you think, Jared? Well, uh, it frightens me, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I'm not too fearful when I come to work every day. There's a hedge um, But this, I mean, it, it, it really boggles the mind. I think something that's really interesting to me is that even though, and we've just had a long discussion about this, even though people value journalism... There has been a, um, a concerted attack on journalists as a profession, um, which I find deeply unnerving. And I think it has to do with, um, well, obviously, it has to do with politics. It, you know, I mean, I, I think that all four of us would have times where uh, we have reported a story in the public interest and the people involved have, have accused you of being... Uh, of of acting immorally or acting unfa- you know, act- acting Absolutely. unethically when, in fact, you're just doing your job. Mm. Um, you know, news is what people don't want to know yep. or rather or don't want other people to know. Um, so I find that really concerning and I think it's, it's probably the, you know, the latest expression of these culture wars that we just keep getting bogged down in, in a society. And I think, you know, cultural discussion and cultural criticism is extremely important. Mm. Um, and, and we shouldn't want to end that discussion. But I think the manner in which we, as a society, um, have been conducting ourselves um, is, uh, is is fermenting this sort of tragedy. Yeah, we're getting more and more divided, aren't we? And, mm. and someone like Trump isn't helping that in any way. Stephen, as a journalist, you ever felt for your safety? Not uh, well. I, I, I uh, was a correspondent for a while in yeah. China. Um, not I, the easiest place to be a journalist. But not uh, also not like places like Afghanistan no. or other places sure. where bullets are flying. So no, I haven't. I haven't really. Um, I, I'm, I need to correct you on one point, lest you get called up as a purveyor of fake news. That Trump has reversed his decision and he is uh, going to lower the. Oh well, there flags. you go. Thank you. Thank you for, f- uh, for correcting the, me for fact checking me. I, I was, yeah. yeah. But. Um, yeah, no, I, I have never, and you know, it's strange that I think we used to um, donate a proportion of our, our um, salary every yeah. year to journalists who were under threat, and they always seemed to be, you know, other journalists in other mm-hmm. countries. Um, yeah. But as we've seen with Charlie Hebdo first, and now this uh, terrible incident, that no one is safe. Mm. And although I think it's wrong to conflate uh, what Trump said as, as having caused this, it certainly has led to an atmosphere where this kind of thing yeah. is more... Yeah, I'm not you know. I'm not in any way suggesting mm. causation no, no. or no. even correlation. Mm. But I mean, uh, Jack, we'll get to you in a second, but just two days before the shooting at the Gazette, uh, the right-wing provocateur Milo Yiannopoulos uh, told, the observer, told an Observer journalist, quote, I can't wait for the vigilante squads to start gunning journalists down on sight. Mm. I mean, this, this, this particular form of madness hasn't yet infected our body politic, but do, do we need to do more well, about this? I'm, having said that, I mean, Mio, Mio, Milo Yiannopoulos was hosted by none other than David Leinhelm at the at Parliament <laughs> we'll House get to a him few in months a ago. Yes. So, you yes. know, in a sense, there is maybe not full-blown infection, but there's a bit of cross-pollination. Yes. Um, 
Look, I think that President Trump has done a very good job. He, he, his administration and he personally hates institutions and he has no respect for them and he wants to destroy them. Um, you know, institutions, democratic institutions within the United States government, but also institutions that are important to a democracy like the media. And as a corollary of that, he makes these extraordinary personal attacks. And that's that's really his, his um, you know, stock in trade. And the fact that you have the most powerful person uh, in the world, arguably, who consistently makes personal attacks and instead of protecting the institutions that he sits atop, he destroys them, mm. I think absolutely gives a license um, to every crazy out there from Milo Yiannopoulos down to follow that lead. And per- the, the end point of personal attacks is literally personal, you know, killing people. So do, you, do you think, so I, I think we're all in agreement here, but do what can be done? Because aside from calling this out, as we are now mm. and, and others have, what what needs to be done to, in a way, put a lid on this? Is Can anything be done? I mean, I, I guess all that you can hope for is that leaders, and I suppose polit- particularly political leaders who might not like everything that's written about them, but a, a sensible ones who generally accept the fact that um, journalism and the media is an essential part of a functioning democracy, they need to stand up. Um, you know, and make very public statements. Uh, you know, protecting or in favour of journalism as a as a as a as a industry as a, right. as a yeah, yeah as a as a right as a mm. sort of um, as a concern as opposed to defending individual journalists. Okay. Yeah, and let's face it, this is a symptom of a wider problem in the US around guns yes, in general. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. Okay, we'll move on because you mentioned uh, a senator's name just a minute ago. Oh, We're God. going to get on to him and 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 her, I suppose, in, in right now. So Sky News has been called out for amping up David uh, Senator David Lionhelm's offensive parliamentary remarks about Green Senator Sarah Hansen-Young, in which he called her on her to stop, quote, shagging men. And in response, she said she's being slut-shamed, and it's very hard not to see her point. Now, Sky News has apologized for amplifying Lionhelm's comments on a banner during its outsider show on Sunday morning last and suspended the 25-year-old female producer who actually wrote the banner. So the background here, of course, is in part of Qantas broadcast Sky News on their flights and in their lounges. And then there is now a change.org petition calling for Qantas to remove Sky News from their screens. Um, I'm going to go to you, Jared, first. um, And then I'll go to Jackie and then Stephen. Because, I mean, what was your response to finding out the young female producer was suspended? I mean, is is she the one who should be held responsible here? Uh, In my mind, probably not. Mm. Um, Look, I mean... I don't watch watch The Outsiders show, but from what I gather, um, it's a particularly... Um, it, 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 look, it, it, it emanates from a part of our culture that appears to be taking delight in, uh, in offending people for the sake of it. Mm. Um, and that's just from you know, clips that I've seen over, the, over recent months, but I must stress I, I don't watch the program. I mean, um, on one level, just to jump in, but on one level... Uh, there's nothing terribly wrong with having, you know, a show that's sort of a bit out there and controversial. I mean, we can defend their right to free speech, can we? But uh, look, I, I think that's absolutely right. Um, but I also think that we really need to, you know, I know there's been some discussion around. And this is what's really interested me is this discussion around people saying, well, you shouldn't interview Landhelm, you shouldn't give mm. him a, mm. a, a platform. I think that that is. That is probably the wrong approach. 
Um, I think that there are ways to cover this. And look, journalism is constantly innovating. So if you look at, say, a few years ago, certainly when I started in the media, we, people were a lot more cautious about going anywhere near the topic of suicide. Mm. Uh, but That's nowadays, it, yeah. we have a lot more sensitive reporting. We have tools that... Uh, mm. Mindframe, which is a group that, that puts out guidelines, um, and, and we've we've improved reporting on that. I think that just because something is 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 difficult, it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be tackled. Especially since what's happening with Senator Hanson Young and Senator Leyenhelm is is in some ways emblematic and and of the experience of a lot of women in society, and they should be able, you know, we, we shouldn't basically be presenting a sanitized version of reality. No, well, um, it's, it's a good news. point. I'll go to you, Jackie. I mean, the, the interesting thing about this story for me is that it, it started in Parliament and then it spilt out yeah. into this into Sky and into the broader public arena. Mm. arena. Uh, and Lanholm all the way through has refused to apologize. In fact, he's ramped it up. So we mm. have this sort of situation where... You know, now the Prime Minister and Leader of the Opposition have all waited in and said, you know, you're out of out mm. of order. But at the end of the day, the person who's lost their job is a 25-year-old producer. Yeah, well, I thought that was a terrible decision. And, you know, if you're going to have... I mean, she was just doing her job. And from what right. I understand, her job is just to write on the ticker, as it's called, the comments that are made by the buffoons and morons that they have on screen. Um, and that that is what that show is. Um, I don't for a minute think that it should be shut down. I completely believe in freedom of speech. And I say this as someone who's been personally attacked in a monologue on that show. Um I couldn't care less, but to sack the producer is completely. I mean, it's a mm. it's a it's a really classic sort of um, mm. damage control sort of response from the company. You know, they don't really want to tackle the actual problem. Um, how just so just on on this? How would you deal with the bigger problem here? So okay, it's, the, it, look, I I I feel really torn on this one because I I agree with you. Like, it's really icky. It, I found it icky to to hear David Lanhelm on um you know on Richard Glover's show a few days ago. Mm. I I hate the fact in a way that he's been given a great a grander platform on which to purvey this idiotic line that he's going against um Sarah Hansen Young, but. If it's you know the the decision that the producer or the editor or the producer of that show should make, they should make that decision depending on what they what they think their viewers want to hear, as opposed to what David Lanholm's interests are. Even if it is in his interest to to sort of, you know, um, boost his profile by maintaining he's certainly, he's his, his line. Yeah. Stephen, Stephen, just a final point on this one. Qantas, Qantas chucks Sky News out of its lounges. Uh, well, I know in increasingly um, uh, corporations are under that sort of pressure to do that. I, I, I don't know. I think in this case, it's uh, uh, Sky certainly didn't deal with it well in the first place, and the reaction of or sacking or suspending the producer is too little, too late. I think you know the the boss of Sky should get on and apologise. The presenter should apologise, but uh, I don't think these kind of secondary boycotts are. Yeah, well, 23,000 people have signed this of the petition mm. as of as we speak, but that's uh, only 23,000 people. And it is but one show on a, on a network, yes, right? Yes, indeed. I was on mm. I was on Sky last night, and no one no one slut shamed me. And, uh, it's because you're no a man, was, Pete. They, oh, they I seem see. to have a, it's, I don't know. It's it's just oh. a general observation, but they seem to have a bit of a problem with women on Possibly. that show. <laughs> I was on Janine Parrott's show. She did. Oh, she she's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so she's not a misogynist. She's. <laughs> Finally, it wouldn't be the fourth estate uh, without another ABC drama to talk about, and, and that is on Monday, the Nauruan government announced it would not allow 
entry to any journalist from the ABC who plans on attending the Pacific Islands Forum this September. Uh, the president has come out with strong recommend remarks against the public broadcaster, that's the president, Baron Wacker, accusing them of blatant interference in domestic poli politics. Dem Malcolm Turnbull has since addressed the issue and said that while he supports press freedom, it is, quote, up to the Nauruan government who comes to their country. Stephen, do you think the prime minister should be standing up a little bit more for journos at this point? Well, I think it's one of those issues uh, similar to uh, the issue of the... Um uh, the shootings in the U.S. that <clears throat> it's one of those cases where you need to make uh, an emphatic stand because there's a big principle here at stake. And it's good to see that the press gallery has thrown its weight behind mm -hmm. a decision not to attend. I think Fairfax has also announced that. Um, and and, and, show, and so, so it should be. That, that should be the case. I think, um, you know, over the years, and I remember dealing with uh, you know, Nauru for many years, mm. where it, it has consistently proved itself to be a bit of a, um, a broken state. Uh, once I remind people, listeners, that it was per capita the richest country in the world. Mm. All that shit. Yes. And Bird shit. If, Italy. if I may, bonus, yeah. just a bonus yeah. uh, detail. Uh, in, in one way, it, it burned its money. Uh, the legacy of its uh, inhabitants was uh, spending $2 million to finance a short-lived uh, West End musical called Leonardo, uh, The Life of His Love. The love of his life. Well, there you go. You are full well, of. I, I know this. Facts tonight, I know this you? because my my, my first uh, love interest uh, appeared in that stage act. Really? Yes. Oh. As what? As as one of the principal actors. Really? Yeah. It, it got panned and lasted what, four what, weeks. What's happened to him or her? Oh since? no, she's looking after dogs in London. There you go. That's that's the life of the stage for you. I don't know where to oh, go I feel with like that. That was like a novella. Within, it was. Within... It was terrific. Jared, do you uh, do? You, are you going to Nauru? Uh, I, I'm not going to Nauru. Um, but would, and, uh, would you go if uh, the, the Oz told you to? Look. Well, that's a tricky question, isn't it? I, look, it, it is a tricky question. And, I, and to be honest, I haven't given it yeah. any uh, given that hypothetical any thought. So I, I might duck it. Yeah, duck that one if you like. Um, okay, then. But, but, but what I will say is that, um, you know, he, he, Nauru is not like, you know, the statement that Nauru can decide who comes to its country is, you know, in a sense, it's a statement of fact because Nauru is a... It's a sovereign country, even though it only has about 11,000 people. Um, and you can, you know, sort of drive around the circumference of it in about half an hour. Um, but, I, I, but at, at the same time, um, I think that it's, you know, we can't imagine that this decision of Nauru has happened in a vacuum. Mm. I think, you know, it's entirely reasonable to expect that the government of Nauru, in making this decision, knows that there's an antagonistic mm. relationship between mm. yep. the coalition mm. government and mm. the ABC. Um, and I don't think that Nauru would have been so forward in making this decision were that not the case. I think that's a very good point. J Jackie, do you think this sort of all part of open season on the ABC? Look, I think it's a little bit cute of Malcolm Turnbull to be so arm's length about this, partly because of the point that Jared makes. I mean, it's not as if Australia has no influence over this tiny, broke and broken state mm. to which we give enormous amounts of money, not just in foreign aid, but also in contracts to look And in musical you know, comedy as well. And in musical comedy yeah. um, that they're ex apparently exporting to the world. Um, so, of course, we have influence if we wanted to, to bring it to bear. I'm not for a minute suggesting we should, but Malcolm Turnbull could also make a statement and say, look, they're a sovereign state, their decisions about who they let in are their own. However, 
we support the ABC. We think their journalism's great. You know, um, it's you know, and and just basically make a very public statement on behalf of the national broadcaster. He could do both of those things quite easily, I think. But he's he's really only doing one of them. Yes, I know. Well, we're going to end where we often end in the show, which is the sense that our politicians <laughs> could do a little bit more uh, uh, to assist the the functioning of the fourth estate. I uh, with this is a wrap for tonight, and it's gone also very quickly. I mean, I'd like to thank uh, the wonderful guests tonight. Uh, Jackie Mady from the Sydney Morning Herald. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Stephen Hutchin from the ABC. Thank you, Peter. And from Brisbane, Jared Owen. How, and thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been great, and we'll do it all again. As I, as I mentioned earlier, next week, the producer, my producer tonight, Evie McGuire, will be in the, in the hot seat, and she will be awesome, I assure you. So make sure you subscribe to The Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app so you can hear us talk media, politics and a few things in between at your leisure. We'll be back with more next week. But in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter. And our handle on Twitter is Fourth Estate AU. My name is Peter Frey and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>